We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Comprehending the extraordinary grace, like we've been talking about this morning, of God, that He has extended to us, is one of the most life-changing truths that we will ever encounter. And that is why it's one of the themes, or the main theme, of the series that we're looking at over these few weeks called Living Grace. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. We now have that through our Lord Jesus Christ, through what he's done for us, through whom we have gained access by faith into this glorious grace in which we now stand. So we stand in God's favor. We stand in God's grace, which is an incredible privilege. Romans 8 verse 1 says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation. No one's sending you to hell. No one's coming down with a big stick on you. For those who are in Christ Jesus, relying on what Christ has done for them, through, the law, through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Praise God. So good. So we are free of our sin and free of needing to perform in order to get God's favor. We looked at that over the last couple of weeks. For those who have put their faith in Christ, they are now fully empowered to live for God's purpose and under his blessing, which is what John T. looked at a little bit last week. So the Christian message isn't about working all your life in order to achieve what God has for you. If you're still working for that, stop doing that, okay? You're on the wrong track. But rather, living in what Christ has already achieved for you. It's becoming aware of what Christ has already done and how to live in that. That's, that's Paul's passion in, when he writes his letters. In Ephesians 1 verse 18, it says this, part of a long prayer that he prays for the um, church at Ephesus, which, by the way, is very near the earthquake that you just saw um, on the news the other day. I hope that it doesn't ruin many of the ruins that are, uh, well, the, you know, the, that kind of, that sounds odd, dear. You know what I mean by that, you know. Anyway... Back to Ephesians 1 verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which, you, which he has called you, the riches of this glorious inheritance in his holy people. What Paul is doing here is he's praying that the Ephesians would constantly remember this glorious grace that God has for them. Reminding ourselves of the grace we have and why we have, why we need that grace, why we have received that grace, should be front and center in our Christian thinking. We should be reminding ourselves of this every day. Why? Because if we don't do that, if we don't fully appreciate the grace that we now live in, we go a little bit off track. And we've addressed that over the last couple of weeks because it's another big theme that Paul has in his letters. In the letter to the church in Galatia, which John T. looked at last week, we saw how what they did in Galatia, they went, hey, we've started in grace. 
It's great how God has poured out his grace, he's poured out his love for us, and that's good, but we want to stay there. So in order to stay there, let's put all these rules around us to make sure that we stay on track. And Paul's going, what do you think you're doing, you crazy people? As soon as you start putting rules around grace, you'll focus on the rules rather than the grace. You'll go down the wrong track. Don't go there. Just live in the grace that God has given you. Live by the Holy Spirit. And then you'll see the fruit of a life that generates patience and kindness and self-control in everything that God wants. That's the track to go down. There is also the other extreme. One extreme is we put a whole lot of rules around grace. The other extreme Paul refers to in Romans 6 verse 1, where he predicts a question that people will have in response to grace. He says this, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? And this wasn't so much of an issue to the church in Rome. He's just um, letting them know a problem that he's encountered in other churches. It was a particular problem to the church in Corinth, who kind of thought, hey, we're worshipping God and God's blessing us. Things seem to be going well, so we can just do whatever we like. It'll be fine. God will still, his grace is towards us. It's, it's all fine. It's all good. Um, I don't know how many of you have got Netflix, whether you've signed up to Netflix, but there are some interesting documentaries on Netflix. Um, I'm a bit of a documentary buff. Um, you know, my kids will want to watch um, you know, some series or something like that, and, they, and they'll roll their eyes and go, oh, your dad wants to watch the news and docos and things like that. But anyway, one of the docos on um, Netflix is called The American Gospel. I recommend you watch it. It's very interesting. Um, I think it's a two or three part uh, documentary. Anyway, the, the point of this documentary is that the prosperity doctrine that has primarily come out of America um, is, is starting to infiltrate churches all around the world. And they kind of look at this doctrine and go, you know, is this good? Is it, is it, is it the gospel? Is that the gospel that Jesus came to preach. Now, like most teaching and things in the Christian church that um, kind of look at a truth and just twist it a little bit, it seems right, but there is a danger there. There is a danger in the prosperity teaching. Now, let me put out, point out the, the upside first. The upside is this, that we could live in more of God's blessing than we do. Would you agree with that? If we were more aware of God's grace towards us and we put our faith and our trust in him and depended on him more, we would probably come into more of his life and more of his blessing. That's true. And that is what the prosperity doctrine teaches. And I'm okay with that, by the way. I'm not saying anything against that. However... It is up to my job as your pastor to also make you aware of some false teaching that sits underneath that, which you don't often hear. It's quite subtle, and it's this, that we don't need to repent of sin as Christians because we've already been forgiven. Now, that sounds right, doesn't it? You kind of go, yeah, yeah, we've already been forgiven. We're, we're in God's grace. However, I don't know about you, but I still sin, okay? I still muck up now and again. Actually, a bit more than now and again, unfortunately. And what I do at that point is I don't go, oh, well, 
yeah, I know. Okay, cool. You know, we're good, aren't we, God? You know, I know I'm mucked up here, but, you know, we're, we're good. You're just going to overlook this, this little thing. No, no, no. I still repent of that sin. Not because God needs me to. Well, I don't know. That's, that's his business. I need to. I need to turn from my sin and turn back to him. I need to repent to receive that forgiveness. I want to be forgiven. Grace doesn't mean that God overlooks sin. It means that he paid the price for our sin. Does that make sense? I don't have to earn my way back to that forgiveness. That's, that's grace, you see. I, I, I understand that. But I still need to access that grace by repentance. Does, does that make sense? And where you hear this sort of coming out in the prosperity um, doctrine is they just don't mention repentance. It's just not talked about. It's just like we just live in so much grace that, oh, well, God's just so there for you that you yeah, just assume it's okay. Everything's cool. God overlooks it. Be careful of that, okay? There's a little danger there, so just be aware of it. And it's a, a danger that that documentary points out very well. So Paul's response to this question in Romans 6.1, shall we go on sinning that grace may abound, is in verse 2 where he says, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? If grace has saved us out of sin, if we were in this river of sin and drowning, why would we, when we're saved and we're put back on the riverbank again, why would we jump back in the river? That's just stupid. Why would you do that? Stay in the grace that God has for you. So what Paul is doing here is he's acknowledging that grace can be misunderstood, okay? You can go one way down, you know, to one extreme and you put a whole lot of rules around grace and Paul's going, don't go there. That's not healthy. That's not good. But equally, don't go the other way and think that God will just overlook sin and you live in so much grace that doesn't, you don't need to repent. Don't go there either. So what's the third way? What's the third way where we appreciate this glorious inheritance that we live in. How do we catch the vision for that? I was trying to um, illustrate that with a bit of a story this week, and I, I think this helps. I'm not sure, but let's, let's give it a go. Imagine this. Imagine if you were Rory, Jennifer, or Phoebe Gates. Now, you're probably thinking, who is that? Well, you probably know who their parents are. Their parents are Bill and Melinda Gates. Now, Bill and Melinda Gates founded Microsoft. You might have heard of Microsoft, okay? One of the biggest companies in the world, and also one of the wealthiest, because of that, one of the wealthiest families in the world. They have billions, not just millions, I mean billions of dollars to their name. Now, if you're the kids of Bill and Melinda, you're probably thinking, mate... There's some inheritance coming my way one day. You know, this is going to be good. But I, as you actually look at that family and look at what, if you know anything, and by, by the way, there's an interesting doco on Bill Gates on Netflix as well. Um, but if you, if you look at what they are trying to achieve, they do a whole lot of good around the world. Um, Bill and Melinda Gates are at the forefront of trying to get clean water to everyone on the planet. They're trying to eliminate malaria in our world. They're, they're doing a lot of amazing good in the world. And I would imagine 
that they are thinking very hard about how the, the, the Gates Foundation, I think it's called that, the Gates Foundation, how that continues all that good work that they're doing around the world. And I would hope, I, I imagine, they would want their three children to catch the vision of using the resources, the incredible abundance of resource that this family has to do good in the world. But there's no guarantee of that, is there? There's no guarantee what these children will do with their money. So let's just think this through. See, these kids, say Bill and Melinda Gates die and the kids get all this inheritance. There's kind of three options that these kids could do. One is they could put a whole lot of rules around um, what they do with the money so that they kind of keep on track, right? They could get lawyers involved and accountants and all that sort of thing and go, well, just give me an allowance, you know, probably 10k a week or something ridiculous like that, you know, for me to live on. Um, but the rest, you know, you know, make sure that I have to, you know, get your sign off. And, you know, they could put a whole lot of rules, right? That's one option, okay? It's kind of like the grace option, what we can do. So, yeah, that's one way they could do it. Or... They just get given a whole pile of money. Some, all of a sudden, their bank account just goes from this to lots of zeros, you know. And they have more than they know what to do with, with for the rest of their life, and they just do what they want with it. Yeah, that's, that's another option. That's kind of the, well, I'll just do whatever I want. I live under the grace of God, I'll do whatever I want. The third option, and the option that you would think Bill and Melinda would hope that their children choose is that they would catch a vision to do what they see their parents doing. Do you get the illustration? And Paul's encouragement to us as followers of Christ is the same. Is don't choose, you don't need the rules if you've caught the vision, if you've got God's heart, if, you've, if you're locked in in a relationship with him and you just want to do what your father does does then you'll stay on track you won't go off and do what you want to do you won't imply impose all the rules you'll live a life of gratitude and that's what you would hope to see you'd hope to see that these kids go man i've been blessed with so much how do i bless the world around me colossians 2 verses 6 and 7 paul puts it this way so then just as you received christ jesus as lord Continue to live your lives in him. So just as you came in by grace, stay in that grace. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And overflowing with thankfulness. The key to living in God's grace is gratitude. Gratitude should be the underlying motivation to all that we do. And as a younger Christian, I, I used to hear sermons on being thankful and having a grateful heart. And I thought, oh yeah, no, that's, that's kind of cool. I suppose you should do that. But I didn't see how important Thanksgiving is. So let's go there today. Let's see why gratitude keeps us in grace, keeps us locked in to the vision that God has for our lives, keeps us on track with that purpose and, and avoids the extremes. The first thing that gratitude does is gratitude helps us come into the presence of God. We come in with thanksgiving. Psalm 100 verse 4 and 5 says this, Enter his gates with 
thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Gratitude has the power to open up insights into God's goodness. If you want to know who God is and how much he's done for you, come and worship, come in prayer with thanksgiving. Every day, start your day by thanking God that he's given you life, that he's given you opportunities to serve him in that day. Choosing gratitude will make a difference. It'll give you a greater awareness of who God is and what he's doing around your life. Grateful people hear from God. So if you want to hear from God, be thankful. It's, it's, it's a simple, easy key. Here's a, here's a question that I'll post to you today. What if, before you did anything else in your day, you woke up in the morning, before you had a shower, before you had breakfast, go to work, you just took a few minutes to go through all the things that God has given you and just say thank you. That would be really, really powerful thing to do. Here's the second thing that gratitude does. Gratitude is powerful because it opposes the work of Satan in your life. It's actually spiritual warfare. Now you're thinking, huh, hang on, how do you figure that? Well, let me take you back to the Garden of Eden. Satan comes along and he tries to tempt Adam and Eve, right? And what he does is he goes, oh, hey, look at this fruit, It's better than anything you have had before. But what if Adam and Eve were truly grateful for all they already did have? You see, what Satan tries to do is go, see, you haven't got enough. You need this. And actually, in your devotional notes, I spend a day where we we look at that this week. Where Satan comes along and says to Jesus, hey, you need more. You need more than what The grace of God has given you. And Jesus goes, no, no, I don't need more. I'm actually quite content with what God has given me. Get lost. Get out of here. But if we're not content, if we're not appreciative, if we don't live with this attitude of gratitude, of appreciating the grace in which we have, of course, all of us look at our lives and go, well, I wish I just had that. If I just had a bit more. We don't want a lot more. We don't need to be, you know, the the Gates family. We just want a little bit more of whatever we're missing in our life. But if we look at what's not there, then Satan will get a foothold. But if we look at what is there, we step into grace. So what are you grateful for? And you might think of it and go, but hang on a minute, Warren, there's a whole lot of things that I'm not grateful for in life. I appreciate that. We've, we've explored that today, how, how life can be difficult. But we also have this assurance from the scripture that his grace is sufficient for every one of us. Thank God for the grace that is sufficient for you. Thank God for the life that he has given you. So, Gratitude, it leads us into the presence of God. It's that powerful. Gratitude helps us oppose Satan. 
So can you see? It's no small thing, this gratitude thing. The other thing that gratitude does is it helps us live for God's purpose. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 10, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works that anyone can boast, but there's nothing that you've done. You're not thanking yourself because it wasn't you that did it. But then look at verse 10. For we are God's handiwork or God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So the overflow of grace, the overflow of God giving us so much, is to go, God, how do I live for you? It's not trying to earn it. It's not, trying to, it's not this sense of entitlement of going, well, of course God should give it to me because, you know, I'm pretty special. No, it's not. It's neither of those options. It's living your life out of thanksgiving because he has given you so much. What do you owe a person that saved your life? What do you give them? What, what payment can you do? The only thing that, the only appropriate response is a, is thanks, it's gratitude, and it's living a life from that gratitude. If someone saved your life, then they want you to live the life that they have for you. And that's exactly what God wants. God has loved us, so we have a love inside us to love others. We give of our time. Why? Like serving at Light Party yesterday. Why? Because God has given us his time and attention. We give of our money. Why? Because God has supplied everything that we need. We share the gospel with others because the gospel has been shared with us. We obey God. We spend time with God. Why? Because he has poured so much of his life into us. Do you see how our whole motivation for why we do what we do, our whole motivation for mission ought to actually be gratitude. Not, oh, well, I, I suppose someone's got to do it. Now, if, if, if whatever you're doing for God, if you're, if you're out there serving in the community, following after God, serving in his kingdom, and someone comes to you and says, why do you do this? You just say, because God has done so much for me. So let me pose that question to you again. If you took a few minutes every day, at the start of every day, my strong suggestion would be try it for a week and see the difference that it might make in your life. Will you, for a few minutes every day, thank God for everything that he's given you? It might just shift your whole way of thinking about your life and how you interact with others and how you interact with God. I can guarantee you a few things that will happen over time. One is you'll be closer to God and you'll defeat Satan. Another thing is I am sure that you'll start blessing the world around you. And by the way, you'll probably be a whole lot nicer of a person to be around. Because, you know, you know, people that are thankful, people that are grateful, they're nice people, right? You know, they, you know, people like that, whereas people that are entitled or, you know, you know, self-focused and things like that, you go, oh, can you just get over yourself, you know? But honestly, 
What, what, how God wants us to live is from this place of gratitude, not just for him and not just for his purpose, but for ourselves. It's actually good for you. Actually, the, the mental health experts are well aware of this. I don't know if you've heard of this all right campaign on the radio, but um, you, know, you hear messages on the radio now that say, I think it says something like, Thankfulness equals happiness, or happiness equals thankfulness, or something like that. That, like, even the world understands this principle that gratitude makes a difference. It actually makes you healthier physically, mentally, and spiritually. What they're tapping into is this life of grace that God has called us to live. So, what is our response to this? Well, if you've lived a life of ingratitude, if you kind of like begrudgingly going, well, I suppose if I have to follow God, I'll have to follow God. Well, maybe today's the day that you get a revelation of grace and how our whole lives are surrendered to God because of all that he has done for us. See, that's effectively another way of looking at the gospel. The gospel is turning from living our way and living God's way. Not living, trusting in what we can do to earn our salvation, but trusting in what Christ has done for our salvation. And then living out of thanksgiving and gratitude for that. If you're here today and you don't know that you can have a relationship with God, that that is actually possible, we would love to have that conversation with you after the service. Come and chat to John T, who you saw speaking earlier, or me. We'd love to have that conversation of what it looks like to have a relationship with God, how we can turn from our sin and put our trust in Christ. For many of you here, you've already known that grace. You've already seen the change that happens that we've been singing about earlier, that amazing grace that has set us free. Well, are you thankful for that grace? Do you take time every day to appreciate the grace in which you are in? Paul's encouragement is, please do that. Constantly remind yourself of the grace because it means you won't go off track and you'll start living in God's purpose for your life. And then if you're in that space, if that's something that you've regularly done and it's a habit in your life my encouragement be would be to you is well what is it what else does it look like to live a life of gratitude and service to those around me how do I take the grace that God's given me into my workplace into my school into my family how could I show a life of gratitude how could I show that there is something going on in me that's really powerful that's making a difference. Where people are going to go, oh, what's up with you? How, do, how come you have so much joy and so much energy and, and you're so appreciative of life? You're, you're not one of these people that go around grumbling all the time. You say, well, I live a life of gratitude. Well, tell me more about that. Maybe you can see some opportunities to extend grace. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.